industry in Death Valley. South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? Sometimes all I think about is you. Late nights in the middle of June. He always been faking me. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Shaking the Southland's own Alex Kraft and John McElhaney. Uh, we Ooh. might even hear from DBBM later on. So uh, guys, welcome back on the show. It's been about seven months since you were on. Uh, last time it was with Chili. We were lamenting the departure of Brent Venables. I think Tony Elliott was right before that. Piece. How's it been? What's been going on? Rip. No, things have been good. Um, this is Alex. I've been... Uh halfway between Greenville and New York most of the off season, but gearing up for the fall and the uh, very interesting football season, just a, a few months away. Yeah. And I'm, you know, not a lot's happened, but I'm pretty excited for the upcoming year. This is John, by the way, I guess we're introducing ourselves to um, I've been on the West coast and the lack of college football culture out here has me really excited for the return of me being able to like pretend I'm back in the South doing college football stuff. That's how it works. So I'm well, pretty I, hyped for that. John, I feel like we out here out West, we've also avoided a lot of the, the worst parts of the Georgia national championship happening. So, Oh, I'm very thankful. That going for Don't us. worry. Yeah. Nick, I'd forgotten all about that. I uh, did not watch that game and I had successfully compartmentalized. So <laughs> I uh, resent the fact you reminded me of that. I had no, he's talking about the, for... the World Series, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Braves. What's the, what's the national the Georgia Braves baseball. national it, champs? Oh, oh, that's baseball. Okay, that's baseball. Cool. Yeah. All right. No, yeah. I, I don't I don't keep up with that stuff. Don't tell him. <sighs> I only follow college football in the English Premier League. Sorry. <laughs> Thought it would be good here as we gear up to the, to the upcoming season to kind of touch base on what, what, what has been going on and what's really uh, transpired in this offseason. Um, so, look, you know, I think this group tends to gravitate a bit more toward the defensive side of the ball. Um, obviously been the most impressive part of this last year's team. So, I uh, thought we could touch a little bit on the defense here, bringing you guys on the experts. Um, but obviously, I think every Clemson fan out there is wanting to understand, is 2022 going to be better than 2021? Um, so I thought we, we could touch on that as well um, and just get a sense for like where, where you guys feel like we are with the program at the moment. Um, I'll maybe start us there. Like I, I personally feel like this is going to be a very uh, important year just in terms of establishing like the ongoing trajectory of the program. I think that the recruiting class coming up in 2023, a lot of guys are, are going to leave after this coming season. So this class is going to be really important um, as well as I think this season is going to be important to establish like is Clemson still a contender for a national championship. If this team can put it together and show that on the field, maybe that can translate to the recruiting. Um, but I don't know. I mean, have you guys sort of coming off the coaching departures as you've had some time to process that, like, are you recalibrating your own expectations as fans? 
as we head into this season? Uh, that is, that, that is a lot to try and handle. Uh, speaking strictly on the 2022 defense, I say, yes, it's going to be up there with the best ever, probably up there with 2014, 2018. The front seven, I think, is going to be the best in Clemson history. It's just if there's a weakness, it's obviously at the cornerback position based on uh, who we've lost. And just it's also the thinnest position on defense, I think. Um, you lose Mario Mario Goodrich and Andrew Booth, and you replace them with what? It's going to be Sheridan, Sheridan Jones, Nate Wiggins, Fred Davis. Uh, I might be missing a couple of freshmen who escaped me at the moment, but yeah, the, the defense, I think, is going to be a, as advertised or, or even better. It's just to your point about the, the whole um, macro view of the program, that is an entire nut to crack, so to speak. And if you would ask me a week, week and a half ago, I would have been a lot more doom and gloom. But off the heels of this recruiting weekend, Clemson enjoyed with uh, uh, some, some June official visits for the first time since – possibly well at least my living memory I, I think the, the macro view is a little rosier than I would have would have wanted to talk about a week two weeks ago so uh, short term yeah defense elite where they go after that given who we're going to lose after this upcoming season who knows but um, it's not you know sky is falling quite like quite like I might have wanted to might have wanted to say a, a few weeks ago yeah, I, I pretty much agree with all of that. Both of y'all have said, like, it is a very make-or-break year for the team, I think. Um, but also, the past few weeks have definitely raised my my hopes and made me feel like... Because, well, I guess a lot of what I liked about Brent Venables is that he also was a really good recruiter, and I was a little worried about what was going to be happening without him. And so, to see a huge boon in recruiting. And then also like all this talk about how talented the defense is, which is absolutely true. It makes me a lot more comfortable that it's at least going to be as good as last year, which last year wasn't as bad as people made it out to be in the moment. So um, if that's the floor, I'm totally happy with that. Um, but yeah, the last week in terms of getting those recruits has really uh raising my spirits like i guess you could call it some sort of i don't know home field magic home field apparel i've been wanting to do that oh. for so long i'm so sorry i'm sorry nick i know we're not supposed uh, to do it no know, we i know it's still huh, it's stolen home valor field but apparel. home field apparel there we go we buried Thanks. the lead here we're like eight minutes in guys good job holding it down for eight minutes you see that really expert segue thank you listeners thank you you're welcome speaking of home field apparel Thank you. Finally, they're releasing their Clemson collection this weekend, fellas. I know you know this. John, I think we have you to thank for ultimately bringing a lot of this together. So uh, I will um, humbly take 100% of the credit. Thank you very much. <laughs> Homefield, sponsor of the, of the podcast here. Um, very happy to have them on board. Because they're awesome, they invited us to help launch this collection. You, good listener, are going to enjoy a 15% off discount on launch day and for a week after that, when you make your first purchase with promo code podcast. Um, guys, Ooh, have you seen this podcast collection? specific promo code? And yes, I've, right. seen the, I've seen the collection. It looks really good. I'm very have excited. Have we for seen all the it. collection? Of course, we've seen this, this, the collection. Yeah, this is perfect timing because not only is it Father's Day, 
Uh, and I, I come from a Clemson family where my dad wears nothing but Clemson shirts pretty much every day, especially now that he has recently retired. It is all he wears unless my mother says, hey, throw on like a polo shirt. We're going on a date. And if he grabs <laughs> one that isn't a Clemson polo, then he's, he's you know, kind of just SOL. But yeah, it's perfect timing. Father's Day, his birthday is the week after Father's, Father's Day. So I'm going to spend stupid amounts of money on home field. So Nick, I appreciate that that, uh, that promo code. You said it was PAWCAST, P-A-W-C-A-S-T. It was Wonderful. a clutch spelling, Alex. Ooh, yeah, I, I was always like a really good speller. I was a beautiful, like amazing speller in elementary school. Totally broke every Southern stereotype because I can just spell words like off the cuff. <laughs> just, just, just name any word, I'll spell it right here. Spell, spell promo code podcast one more time. Actually, I'm gonna try that again in the in the tune of Tiger Rag. It's what P A W C A S T. I'm sorry. I'm gonna, I'm gonna shut up now. I'm I'm muting myself. I'm sorry for that. I thought you were gonna say the thing you can't say in between the S and the T. I, I like I like the mother mother effing better than the woohoo. I will say that. I'd rather yeah, I'd rather get rid of the woohoo than the mother effing thing. <laughs> Um, okay, so 15-piece collection drops this weekend. Uh, very comfortable, officially licensed, mind you. T-shirts, crew decks, and hoodies. You guys mentioned the, the collection. You've, you've seen it. We've all seen it. Um, really looking forward to be able to order some of these pieces. I think they've got some on their way to us, uh, boys, as well. So really looking forward to taking a look at those. Yeah, they um, really did an expert job of giving me the ones that uh, whatever's left over are the ones that I really wanted to buy. So they're kind of nice. getting money out of me regardless. Yeah, I'm really excited. I was hoping to have my shipment in hand before the announce, before the announcement dropped on Twitter on what was that Sunday, but uh, it's been stuck in the Greenville, South Carolina post office distribution center since Saturday. And apparently I won't get it till Friday. So uh, we'll see how that works out. It might come earlier, but for some reason it's stuck in Greenville for six days, but that's fine because I, I can be less, uh, I can't be as insufferable on the internet now so it's actually a good thing I, i'm hopeful that i'll get mine soon but uh mine is sitting in san francisco and i suspect Tully has stolen it They're, they fit great john thank you yeah, um, yeah you're postal service not a sponsor of the podcast by the way uh so we'll move on from them but uh no everyone set a reminder for this week this saturday uh it is launch day speaking of launch day noon eastern uh, noon eastern we, sh- we would be remiss not to mention the existing leaderboard for most shirts sold on launch day number one florida number two georgia you guys know who the number three team is it is the gamecocks that's right so <laughs> look you know in addition to getting high quality Fuckers. apparel we have the opportunity to pee in their cheerios so <laughs> i think this is this is our chance to you know this is the one one you know silver lining to being a south carolina fan they have this this to their name um let's just upset that too i think we can go for it if they can do it we can do it i think they're hey, also I, I really think we can beat them out because yeah i think ours are better than theirs i think our designs are better I, than theirs oh absolutely yeah i i'm i'm skeptical i gotta say i think based on sheer numbers they have a, a better shot at outlasting us also i don't mm-hmm. think that our fan base is quite as online again based on sheer numbers as theirs mm-hmm. might be, but you know that that I'm saying this as a as a challenge more so than truly skeptical. So let let's go, everyone. Come on, let's think of it as some, the Blood Bowl. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We we win that despite having you know lesser numbers. I think exactly. it, it's somewhat unique in that we're a, a 
probably a lesser brand or at least certainly alumni base within the state, but nationally speaking, we're far more uh, known and renowned. So let's channel well, that, that, that macro aspect and, and let's, let's, let's buy some stupid t-shirts. Gr- granted, y- y'all, you have to remember I'm a millennial. When I say stupid as an adjective like that, I don't mean it in a negative sense. I mean it in like a like it's a I mean, desirable just, just, kind of just stupidity. to prove how much I like the, these clothes, I'm literally wearing home field joggers as we speak. Wow. Got the angry wave joggers. Also, <laughs> you know, in terms of another challenge, if Clemson, if any of these designs sell well enough, they may be compelled to throw one of these logos onto a pair of comfortable joggers. Uh, I would buy those so mm. quickly. That's right. All right. Well, uh, let's get ahead of this ad read. That promo code, once again, for 15% off your order is, what is it, Alex? Oh, don't make me do this again. Nick, this do is Do it again. Turn. Do the truffle oh, shuffle. I will not do it again. I've already embarrassed myself enough <laughs> for, for the first 10 minutes, at least 15 Podcast. minutes. That's right. It's P-A-W-C-A-S-T. Oh, I thought you wanted me to like sing it like Tiger Rag. No, I'm done with that. <laughs> okay. Let's take us back. So... Guys, uh, one of the things that's been announced recently is the ACC looking to shuffle up the schedule. Um, This has been pitched, requested, demanded for years um, by the likes of Bill Connolly and others. We've been calling for it on the podcast here for a while. Uh, They're going to do away with divisions, it looks like. And I don't know what the size of the the permanent opponents that Clemson will have is going to be. It might be two two teams, three teams. Um, But it seems like the ACC is going to rotate opponents That'll be good from a fan perspective, being able to go visit um, opposing teams. I forget like how many times we've played like at UVA and at North Carolina over the last two decades, but it's very limited. So I like that we'll be able twice. to shuffle things up. Right. It's like it, barely it's, any. It, it's twice tops. I think this is a long time coming. Like you said, it's everyone's been calling for it. It's a tremendous uh, development in the positive, I think. Um also, I think it does show a lot about the ACC that nobody was like, but the, the divisions, they're so sacrosanct. <laughs> nobody cares about the Atlantic or the Coastal. Even, I mean, every yeah. other co- – even the yeah. SEC is going to ditch them. And that's like – you think they're the ones who started the whole division thing. They're the ones who – where, yeah. honestly, it, it, it makes more sense for them than any other conference. If you ask me, the SEC West is – a gauntlet sec east less so but still has yeah a lot exactly of, historically they've had this like start about an identity between the two right yeah. right there, there's an identity there more than anywhere else and if they're ditching divisions it's like nobody else has an excuse anymore and i'm glad it's finally happening i was hopeful that after 2020 when they ditched them temporarily that that would become permanent wasn't the case but at least it's on the horizon and it's it's a long time coming the atlantic and the coastal was made for FSU and Miami and <laughs> I'm still laughing that that never <laughs> came to fruition for the league it's almost like they didn't do this through could I can't imagine the, the ACC conference no that that sounds blasphemous the ACC I'm never... excited to see what Clemson does with their uh, division championships board in Death Valley because mm. it had a yeah. lot of extra spaces for future division championships and it really did I'll be fine if that goes away. It was always kind of stupid. Ever since we threw the asterisk, ever since we threw the asterisk up there for 2012 when we tied for the division with FSU, but <laughs> yeah, FSU beat us head to head. That that was when I was like, you know what? This is like borderline 1969 ACC title graphic, which <laughs> South Carolina has. It's it's just or it's A&M's borderline. Natties. 
Yeah. Right. A- A&M's fake natties that they conveniently <laughs> found, they conveniently added an extra natty or conference title after they joined the SEC. Like between that and what South Carolina has with their lone conference title on their facade, it's like, we don't need to be like that. Just, just ditch this crap. And divisions, they're being ditched. It's, I, I think we can say that with confidence now. It's a long time coming. We're very happy about it. Um, not that I'm particularly thrilled with going to Duke every three or four years, but it's better than going to Syracuse every two years. So yeah, this is a win. This is a win. It really is. It really it sounds is. like you're uh, soft nosed. Maybe. Yeah, I, I could be, I could be soft nosed. I'm a, I'm a southern. I will, I will like give divisions that is that it did create those like weird mini rivalries very well, <laughs> but I yeah. also feel like that might be enhanced in the future with, you know, instead of playing uh, who North Carolina once every few years, you're playing them once every two years. I think it's going to be a lot more like team driven, like product on the field driven rivalries versus like, oh, we've, we, we hate NC State because we always have kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I'd, I'd much rather have. Like, a- I will admit, I did enjoy uh, watching Syracuse become our rival, even though they were a little tiny team that uh, only beat us once or whatever. See, I, I think that's exactly where the, the getting rid of divisions is going to be better because I'd much rather have that quasi-rivalry with Virginia or UNC than I would Syracuse. Yeah. Yeah, so it, 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 there, there is no negative to this for me, absolutely none. If, if we were in the Coastal and we were cakewalking to a division title every year, I might feel differently, but we kind of did that in the Atlantic every year anyway. Most recently. So. Well, and I think the goal of doing this – like everything tracks back to revenue for the league, which hopefully helps us compete a bit more nationally with the others is like, you really, you really want to, well, yeah, but you really want to set up the best matchup for the title game, like the league title. Yeah. Right. Well, and I feel like a lot of conferences are really starting to posture themselves for, I I think super leagues are going to be inevitable. It's just a matter of when they happen, like the Alliance coming together, like it might seem dumb, but I feel like they're kind of, moving themselves together so they can eventually join together yep that that question is going to be how many conference games we have versus like do you set up like keep it at eight in the acc so that you can have some alliance matchups every year with the pac-12 because if it becomes like uh, the sec the the big 12 and the aac all join together and then the other three join together you basically got an american international league it's a lot right. like baseball. AFC, NFC. Yeah. 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 I, I know this is getting really down in the weeds now, but Clemson's general, you know, uh, out of conference scheduling is South Carolina, one big name uh, opponent like like Auburn, AM, or Notre Dame, then a mid major. UConn. And then, and yeah, like UConn or Wyoming or whatever, <laughs> and, or App State. And then there's the small in, uh, in state FCS. If we do go to a nine game schedule, like they've been like the, the counter to that is, oh, well, then we can't play Notre Dame or A&M or Auburn or some other big name school from out of conference. I'd rather cut the mid-major. Like I think the yeah. nine game schedule, I think the nine game conference schedule can work. Keep South Carolina, keep the in-state FCS, which is probably not well, and it's that like, popular. When is the last and time keep one the of those mid-major games really drew a crowd? Right. I, I'd rather yeah. cut Wyoming or App State. Mac or, team. Yeah. Or yes, exactly. Someone from that mid-major level. I'd rather cut them than the in-state FCS for financial reasons for the state, or yeah. obviously for for the 
obviously I prefer cutting that over like Auburn or Notre Dame. Obviously we're contracted with Notre Dame, so that's different, but you know what I mean? The, the big, the big yeah. power five out of conference opponent, we're getting really off topic here, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I think the nine games, man, this is it. If we, yeah. if we do, if we do <laughs> cut divisions, I think the nine game schedule is inevitable, which again, mm-hmm. I think it's a net positive. I really do. I'd rather cut the divisions and play nine ga- nine ACC games and cut them in major than any other alternative. Well, and it's but not that, like that it's did... nine ACC games with the divisions intact where it's just like, okay, so now you play yeah. one so more it, person. Like that's not. Right. So basically we'll trade Wyoming or, or, or someone like uh, who did we play this past season? that was mid major. It was UConn. It escapes me. UConn. Yeah. We'll trade UConn for like, Virginia or UNC or someone from the coast we don't play that often like Miami I mean Miami was our is our crossover this year so that's not the most apt comparison but, but still, still we'll, we'll yeah. trade we'll trade someone like UConn for for Miami yeah that, that's a well, win because we if, played Miami we played Miami as our crossover but the last time we played it was what 2016 right yeah I don't, I don't mean win as in it's a guaranteed win on the schedule like you know the mid-major currently is but it's a win from a yeah. season ticket holder perspective it's a win from an from an interest perspective, just well, and you're not going to run into those schedules where it's just like, all right, so this whole year's schedule is boring. Right. You know, that that's what I thought about this past season. It turned out to not be the case when like three fourths of our games were down to the last <laughs> second. Like we barely, we barely held on. Yeah. I think, well, like I think Pitt, in- Pitt and Wake were better than we thought, but I right. think a lot of that, was, they were exciting because Clemson was, was so down. Know, was so down right exactly i think i think recent podcasts have called it the curse of of was it ben i think who who said oh the schedule's so boring and i i definitely felt the exact same way 12 months ago 11 10 months ago oh it's a weak schedule it's georgia and nobody else maybe pit if pickets that good yeah uh joke was on us three years ago joke joke joke, you did actually yeah joke was on us because uh we had a lot of very close games that were interesting for all the wrong reasons um so you know, there's a lot of pot meat kettle and be careful what you wish for, blah, blah, blah. But well, Alex, yeah, let me let me we're let me transition. Now, let me transition this to talk about this upcoming season. Um, yeah, definitely. Obviously, coaching changes. I want to know from your guys perspective, like, is there a thing that you expect to be sort of obviously different to the untrained eye? Um, with the defense, you know, under the new kind of coaching regime, new, we don't, we don't exactly know like what Wes Goodwin's going to necessarily do to adjust Venable's scheme. Uh, we know he played an integral part to that. A lot of the same coaches come back on defense. Like, it, you know, it, as you think ahead, like what is something that you would expect to be different so that we might understand, okay, is this going to be a bounce back type of season for Clemson? Yeah, well, speaking think... for myself, there's a little bit of difference in that, like, there's going to be that beginning of the year where instead of people saying, oh, Clemson looks slow, where, you know, how Clemson would look kind of slow and then build and build and build. And then at the end of the year, they're a national championship team. Um, that might happen at the beginning of the year this year, but I think it's going to be more of a <clears throat> adjustment to having a new coach versus uh, that kind of Clemson weird early season lame duck situation um or conservative play calling or like still figuring right. out so yeah, like yeah, it's John- going to be an interesting adjustment to try and figure where the line of is west goodwin just adjusting or is this early season clemson or is this just how the defense looks now yeah john it, it sounded more, more like you were describing the offense there as far as conservative play calling <laughs> holding things till postseason 
Defensively, I think we'll see aggression right off the bat. That's what Goodwin wants to do from from his own words. I mean, I, I think – I guess there's the not necessarily conservative play calling, just more of there's going to be some hiccups at the beginning. I feel like that's inevitable with every coach change. I, I don't feel that way defensively. I think if we're going to see hiccup, it's, hiccups, it's going to see – it's going to be in the form of corners that we aren't, you know, as comfortable with as last year. I think yeah. Goodwin is – inherently more aggressive as a play caller based on what he has said at least we haven't really seen much of this you know there's one game isn't really a proper sample (laughs) every defensive coach wants to be more aggressive but i know that that is basically a a, you know something every coach says every offseason we're more aggressive blah 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 but that that is who good wins in great shape (laughs) attacking is more he is more inherently aggressive as a play caller again, based off what he said, that may not actually prove to be the case. And in fact, it may not uh, because he doesn't need to be as aggressive given this is probably the best front seven in theory Clemson should have ever have, should ever have. I think this is better than the front seven, not the defensive line. Front seven as a whole is better than the 2018 unit. Uh, The linebackers are more athletic than Clemson's ever seen. I think Goodwin wants to be aggressive, but may not have to be. Um, especially if the corners aren't, you know, quite up to snuff. But defensively, I, I think it's going to be a very aggressive, very, very attacking unit. I think it's going to be better than last year if you look at, you know, three quarters, in fact, maybe four-fifths of the season, Brian Brissy was not on the field. Yeah. Um, it, it's going to be a, a better defense than last year, I think, off, off the cuff, speaking just based on what I look at on paper, based on who's returning, based on who's healthy. Uh, hold your breath on injuries, of course, but I think when we're projecting, we don't really want to project for injury. So I think it's safe to say we should expect a better defense. I, I feel like more of my issues aren't worries about like the defense not being talented enough or like the coaching not being good enough. It's just like every coaching change brings a little bit of difference. And I don't want to get like too far ahead in thinking that it's going to be the best defense we've ever seen when there might be moments where it's just like oh this is not going it's great talent one step forward based on who was injured last year plus guys just coming back with a little bit more experience in an off season to gel but then maybe it's a step back just in terms of coaching continuity and i think there's also just this question of like how well do the is there the handoff between the offensive coaches and the defensive coaches um, just in terms of like yeah. overall game management and adjustments needed to be made and all of those kind of things like I think you're right to have that kind of question there, John. Yeah, I, I think I think the scariest thing is probably game management. We don't know how Goodwin and company are going to react to the heat of the moment. I mean, Iowa State, let's face it, without without Brees Hall wasn't the toughest test. And yeah, it, it's no. it's great that good it's great that Goodwin is is professing a, a more aggressive play calling. Uh, philosophy, so to speak, than Venables, which sounds crazy to say, considering Venables is one of the most aggressive play callers <laughs> in the country. But Skindle you know, Goodwin says he's going to be aggressive, uh, but you know we we don't know how he's going to respond in the moment. We don't know if he's going to get his get his signals in on time, or if he's going to be as successful at stealing signs and all that fun stuff right well and like um, adjustments i feel like that's one of the big things yeah. is that i could always trust brent venables to make the adjustment and i just right. don't know west goodwin yet you know yeah yeah he he he's probably very capable i think he was more or less handpicked if not by venables and certainly by Dabo, which is 
you know, j- just just as much a vote of confidence in my mind, yeah. considering Dabo handpicked Venables. Um, but again, there's there's an experience, uh, not gap, but experience, a loss of experience, so to speak. And it, it we can't just totally expect it to be seamless, even if the defense should be better on paper and if it's more aggressive, so on and so forth. Um, again, I, I keep going back to the fact it doesn't need to be, considering how good the front seven is. Does it need to be as aggressive, considering how good the front seven is? But um, but we'll, we'll see how those corners are. That's always what determined how aggressive Venables could be, how, how good those corners were. Or uh, like in 2019, if the pass rush wasn't where it needed to be, I don't think that'll be an issue this year. I think this year it's it's how good the corners are. Um, but yeah, yeah, the, the adjustments, like you said, John, we don't know what those are going to look like. We don't know if it's going to be as fluid or intuitive. Or it, th- There may be some hiccups frankly, but I, I still have a very, very, very high expecta- expectation for this oh, defense still very and, this, and, this, and this defensive coaching staff at large. I think there's still enough continuity, even if the head guy of the defense isn't there anymore. I think it, it's all of his understudies and they're ready to, they're ready to, to handle it. I guess, Alex, when you, well, when you look at the regular season schedule, um, and we'll use this point later to kind of transition to talk about the Clemson offense, but I mean, which quarterbacks and offenses do you see out there that are going to challenge that that secondary in those corners? Um, I think traditionally, the last three four years, the ACC has not been a quarterback heavy conference, where you know you're you're afraid of our schedule a little bit. But I think the ACC has developed some quarterbacks, and there's guys with a lot of experience right now. Where I think that's that's changing a little bit. Yeah, this is a loaded question because if you ask me who has better quarterbacks than Clemson on the schedule, I'll name seven or eight guys. But if you <laughs> ask which of them is capable of beating this defense, it's tough because we don't know how the cornerback situation is going to shake out. But everywhere else, you think this front seven is going to smother the run. This front four plus maybe five or six on blitzes is going to make you know a quarterback's life miserable. It, it, it's it's a great defensive unit to be uncertain about your own quarterback given who we're going up against because there are some good quarterbacks on the schedule. But, I mean, gosh, if, if there's one defense you don't want to play against in this conference, it's Clemson's. I mean, this, this yep. I, I really can't, I can't say it enough how disgusting this front seven is going to be. <laughs> it, it, it's going to be better than 2014. It's going to be better than 2017-18. As a, as a whole, thanks in part mainly to more athletic linebackers, which, uh, sorry if this is somewhat inflammatory. you got to come Clemson up with a nickname a, for them, too. Uh, no, I, I'm not big on the whole nickname thing. but it, it, it's The Magnificent Seven. It, sure. The D-line, the D-line or the Avengers. Uh, yeah, I'm not a Marvel guy. I don't really get into yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm a Star Wars guy, so I kind of just like the bad Marvel on, on principle. <laughs> there we go. That, that's that's <laughs> Um, Marvel can miss me. I just don't care for it. Uh, but hot takes. Yeah. Also know, not a sponsor. Yeah. Marvel's not a sponsor. Sorry. Disney owns star Wars and Marvel both, but there's Marvel just sucks. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think it's going to be tough for quarterbacks to play against this defense, even though I think a lot of them are better than what me, what we might throw out there in the prototypical quarterback duel. If I think of it from a quarterback tool perspective, I think, holy crap, we'd be lucky to get eight or nine wins. But then I remember this defense and I think, okay, 10 wins should be the floor. It really should. Um, 
Granted, we, you could yeah. say we were lucky to get 10 wins last season, given how close a lot of those games were where we kind of escaped. We probably shouldn't have beat Boston College, probably shouldn't have beat Louisville. There may be a couple of others in there you could throw in if you're being generous, but I, I think the team overall is better this year. Even even the quarterbacks, to be fair, should be better. And I, I think I, I think 10, 10 wins is the floor, and this defense is going to be pretty up to it against just about every quarterback, just about everyone, even even – even uh, Louisville and Cunningham, even NC State and Leary, I think I think this defense will be up for it. Home field apparel. <laughs> there we go, John. That's right. There we go. I want to like I could ask like how would you attack this defense, but like no, mm. like not with the talent on these ACC squads, right? Yeah, I think how you attack it is you attack the corners. I mean, that's really the only weakness. Uh, the front seven is disgusting. The front four in particular. Uh, you've got. Trenton Simpson playing Will, which is just unfair considering he's a, a Sam athletic, athletic athleticism. He's got Sam athleticism. Uh, I guess who's who's playing at Mike? Probably either what Levante Bentley Trotter or, or, or Bentley Trotter, yeah. Trotter Jr. Yeah, and on the other side you've got uh, Barrett Carter playing Sam. Yeah, the, the front seven. You're not you're not going to run on Clemson without misdirection or <laughs> or uh, trigger warning bubble screens. Um, right. No, not, bu- not bubble. I think the question's like how, maybe shovel if you pass, had shovel pass, shovel, oh. shovel pass. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. yeah. I, you gotta, you gotta attack the corner. See test Clemson's depth at corner, not, not necessarily fades. Cause those aren't really high percentage, but it, even if it's just quick outs, it, yeah. anything to test the corners, that's the only way you can really attack them. I, would say too, I, mean, I think Barrett Carter, like very promising. And I mean, Trent, Trent Simpson is figuring it out in a new linebacker position. Like, testing those guys in coverage and the corners like that may be the the formula but yeah i'm not so i'm not worried so much about the outside linebackers and coverage um i guess who's playing nickel that's a bigger question i think they're going to start at least based on what it looked like in the spring makuba is going to be the starting nickel yeah and then the then the two safeties are going to be jalen phillips at free and probably landon zanders at strong as long as Makuba's on the field, I feel fine with that. If you, you know, sub Makuba out, you know, Sand or Xanders replaces Makuba at strong, I'm not as thrilled with that. But as long as Makuba's on the field, I, I think the nickel package will be <laughs> fine. Um, I, I think in that package, you'd probably slide Simpson over to Mike and keep keep Simpson and Carter on the field with Makuba as your three linebackers, so to speak, Makuba being the nickel, if you count him in a, as a linebacker. Yeah, I, I don't see how you how you really attack that defense unless you have an insane offensive line like Notre Dame because they're on the schedule, or you just make a living on three-step drop, you know, quick routes like that. I, I just don't see how you attack this defense otherwise. you got to have a crazy offensive line or insanely efficient short game, short passing game. Alex, what's been going on with Malcolm Green? Like he he kind of had a tough 2021, right? But I feel like he was used quite often in the in e- either nickel packages or even the dime back in 2020. Yeah. He was more or less your starting nickel in 2020. As for what happened in 21, I can't say with any certainty. He'll be a name to just honest... a monitor for the August camp. Like right. Because he he should be the guy you plug in at nickel and then you keep Makuba at strong. Right. That would be the ideal scenario in my mind. But, you know, Xander's, you know, as much as much flack as, as we and even personally, Mia Culpa, as, as much flack as I gave him in 2020, not really being up for it. 
part of that was because of the, sol- the shoulder injury. And then, of course, he re-injured it in game one, I think, in 2021. Mm-hmm. You have to take into account he might be healthy enough to, to handle it. And then, you know, if you know, he's certainly experienced and he's fast, if he's healthy enough to lower his shoulder and, you know, then Makuba can play nickel and Xanders is not a drop off. It's strong. Then you're in business. You know, that, that front four, that front seven, front six with, with Makuba as part of that front seven ish nickel package, then you're, you're, there's, there's really no weakness in this defense except at corner. And that, that's just more of the unknown than it is a lack of talent or, or belief. Right. I think T-Bone's even going to play some nickel corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he might. He, he's one of the guys who didn't leave. He didn't follow. Uh, didn't follow his father, I think. Um, you know, he, he's not one I was thrilled to see on the field too much last year. He was an example that was, um, you know, perhaps not always totally fair, but he was one of the most obvious examples you can point to of, of what the five heart, the whole walk on who shouldn't really be on the field if we had recruited enough bodies, uh, which is still an issue. I think not taking enough actual yeah, safety. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Safety recruiting in particular has been uh, a lot to be desired until Makuba showed up. Um, but yeah, he's still here. He's an experienced body. He can play safety. He can play nickel. And that, we're not going to discount that. I'm certainly not going to roll my eyes like I did over the last couple of years. He's an experienced body in a secondary, which is rebuilding. I mean, we lost, what, three out of the four starters out of the, the typical back four. So I'm not going to hold my nose at, at, at T-Bone, at, at Tyler Venables. No, and it's, I mean, it seems like for this year's team, hopefully he's not in a position where he needs to be starting any games. If he comes in as like that second or even third option at nickel or the you know, can play some ba- yeah, can play some backup snaps or plays gets in on a dime package, like sounds good. Like that that seems to fit like his his talent profile. Maybe parting thoughts. I mean, we just had a, a show where we dedicated to talking about what's going on with DJU, uh, with Cade Klubnik coming out of the team, with Hunter Johnson coming back. Um, I guess Alex, I mean, we we kind of texted a little bit about this in the off season here, DJ likely like there's a lot, a lot of things in DJ's favor in terms of being able to bounce back and have a, a better season. Um, but I think like what's maybe one thing you're looking for in the first game or two to understand, like has DJ corrected some of the mistakes that were plaguing him last year uh, to understand, like, is he going to be a guy that you'd have confidence starting as we get into the harder stretch of the schedule into October? Yeah, uh, I'll get this out of the way. I don't think there's a quarterback controversy. Uh, Cade is going to be great in a year or two. Uh, He's just too small, in my view, at this point. He is not a ready-made starter like Trevor Lawrence was. Uh, As far as DJ, I think uh, it comes down to his feet. His his feet are just – I hate saying this, and I don't really want to put this in writing so much, so it's probably a little easier to put on a podcast where – you know, maybe there's Big no accountability, or, right? Some, someone, someone like big Dave might not be listening anymore at this point. I, I hate to do this since, you know, I, I don't write with a pseudonym and I do this all in my own name, but DJ's feet are just not good. That's Agreed. really the only, the only way to put it. It's, it has nothing to do with, it's not a size thing. It's not a, so much a lack of athleticism thing. Although you could, you could say that perhaps it's, it's just his feet are not, good that is the root of all of his problems yes last year was not totally his fault in fact I'd say it was less than 50 percent his fault looking at who he was 
trying to throw to, looking at who was blocking for him. Last year was not DJ's fault. He was not the primary issue. I can't emphasize that enough. DJ was not that bad based on who his receivers were, based on who his blockers were. His running backs, as good as they were, were freshmen and sophomores. They weren't Travis Etienne. They were not Travis Etienne. The offensive line was patchwork. Well, I'm not going to even talk about the offensive line because it's a, a re- that opens up a whole can of worms with recruiting so on and so forth. But DJ's problems are in his feet. He does not have good feet. He everyone talks about his mechanics. He gets off balance. He just throws with his arm. Doesn't put his body into it. it whenever anyone mentions his mechanics, are just off. What they're saying is his footwork is not good. And it's not simply just not getting the technique down. He has heavy feet and you can't really fix that. Yes, he's lost some weight. That'll help him, you know, be a little more limber, but you can't fix heavy feet. That is something that you either have naturally through natural athleticism or you don't. His feet are a problem. And it's not really going to get fixed. When I look at these mock drafts that have him in the top, whatever, they're just looking strictly at his body type. They're looking at his arm strength. They're looking at his recruiting profile, his feet. I don't know how you outcoach them unless he, I don't know. I don't know how much weight you'd have to lose to make his feet that much quicker, but it's just (laughs) a natural thing. You either have light feet or you don't. And that that's, that's what it comes down to. Whenever he gets in a hurry, he forgets his feet. And he tries to use his arm, which is great. It's a phenomenal arm. It's probably the best. Works great in high school. It, it, it's the, be- the best pure arm Clemson has probably ever seen. I think Trevor, total package, of course, unbeatable. But pure arm strength, just like grab a football and launch it as far as you can. DJ's the best Clemson's ever seen from that perspective. But you can't really fix his feet no matter what kind of technique coaching you drill into him. His, his feet just are what they are. And I hate saying that because I hate just seeming like I'm dumping on a a kid who may hear this or his friends may hear this or his family may hear this, so on and so forth. It's, it's just, it's his footwork. That's really what it comes down to. And yeah, Cade may end up, may, may have better footwork at this time, but Cade isn't going to beat DJ out. DJ's better. DJ's more experienced. He's going to have a better unit. I have higher hopes for him than I did last year, but when things break down, we're going to see his feet continue to be an issue and, that's that's where he misses when he doesn't have proper footwork. And I don't know how you fix that. I really don't. I, I, I'm not a quarterback coach. I haven't played quarterback. I, I just, you know, see what I see. And that that's what I see. It, it, his footwork is everything. And he just doesn't have the light feet, the presence of mind in his feet to, to be, you know, what Clemson might have come to expect over the last few years or from his recruiting profile. If you're DJ, I mean, I don't know that he – finds you know the coaching staffs at another program i'm just thinking in terms of if he sees the writing on the wall or if he starts to see first team snaps go to Cade's way during august camp and he he opts to transfer out of clemson he certainly got some eligibility left you know in terms of he had the 2020 season which didn't count um he'd have three years eligibility um maybe he thinks he can find you know a coach or a program somewhere else where he can he can further develop where he needs to um I guess if that should come to pass, guys, like, do you think the coaching staff would be inclined to start the year with Hunter Johnson or just get roll right into Cade? I mean, I guess it depends on how both of them look, but any, any world where Hunter Johnson was brought in for any reason other than emergency third string sort of duties. I 
personally don't see it. I mean, Johnson, I don't don't even want to bring up his film at Clemson, but his film at Northwestern isn't that great. I think he's a perfect personality to have his depth as a, like you mentioned, the worst case scenario if DJ does transfer out because Cade supposedly passes him. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the earliest that could possibly happen is November. That's if Cade comes close to 200 pounds and DJ really struggles. I I think DJ is going to be much improved. uh, And he's also going to look a lot better based on just who he has around him. I don't think he was as bad as he looked last year. His feet notwithstanding, as I mentioned, I, I, I don't, I don't think that's a completely realistic concern, but the fact that Johnson is there, uh, as a, as a, as a safety net, so to speak, is definitely, you know, it, it let, lets me sleep easier. Better I than guess, having the punter is a way to put come it. in, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because Will Spires, he's out of eligibility. We can't count on him to be the, the third string quarterback anymore, can we? Yeah, sure but can't. I'll get I'll, I'll get this out there. I think DJ will be the starter for more than half the year. I would say even 75% of the year, I think he'll be the starter. Uh, injury notwithstanding, of course, anytime injury – is thrown into the equation that makes projections worthless. But I think DJ will be improved enough, will be comfortable enough with the people returning. I think he will be the guy. Um, I think we're going to revisit this in 2023, though, certainly when, when Cade is, you know, 200 pounds, when he's more polished, more comfortable with the system, and you see his, his athleticism and his, and his probably, frankly, a little bit more polished, certainly with his feet come into play but for this season i think i think dj's the guy i think he'll i think he'll be maybe not you know i I think a lot of people are hoping he'll be like a 2011 or 2012 taj boyd i don't think he even needs to be that good because boyd was kind of carrying the team that year this year dj has an amazing defense he's got amazing running backs should be healthy at receiver better on offensive line i think dj just has to be I don't want to say game manager because that's not the kind of player well, he is. Yeah. He's, he's I think way better than that, but it's like, you don't want him to kill the team with threes and out or three and outs right, or, right. you know, throwing, yeah. throwing more picks than touchdowns as he did last year. I'll throw a Dabboism in there. He just has to make the layups and this, this offense is going to be on <laughs> schedule. The bus. It's going to, I know make, I, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm throwing a Dabboism in there. Make the layups, DJ. You didn't do them as well last year, but you, you you've got the personnel and the comfort this year and, with with the team you have around you, like you'll be fine. You're not going to lose your job if you just make the layups. I agree. All right, guys. Well, uh, you know, obviously a lot of potential position group matchups coming up in the August camp. We'll keep a close eye on that. Um, any any parting thoughts for kind of what your what you think the ceiling is for this team coming into this season? Is it like fringe playoff expectation? Win the Atlantic maybe struggle in the ACC title game? Like, wh- where are you guys feeling heading into the into this year? I mean, John, I'll let you go, go well. I'll I let really you go first, and I'll follow up. <laughs> if things go well, I really think they could go far. So um, I already said before that I think my the ceiling, the floor is probably 10 wins. Um, I do not want to be proven wrong about that, but I think the ceiling is probably just as high as any other year. Yeah, I, I think the ceiling is roughly 2017 level, which is still really good because that was playoff. Um, I think the floor, I'll go a little lower and say nine just because I think the schedule is harder. Uh, the ACC reminds me much more of 2016 this year than it has in recent years. 2016, I think it was the best league in the country. Sorry, SEC truthers. 
Um, the strength, the strength of the league that year was at the quarterback position. Uh, goes without saying, you had you know Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, uh, Nathan Peterman, Nathan, Nathan, Nathan <laughs> Peterman. There, you, you, DeAndre Francois. There were a few others that escaped me at the moment, but this year, like I could probably name seven or eight quarterbacks who I think going into the year should probably be better than DJ. I mean, there's there's NC State's quarterback, Louisville's, Boston College's. Miami's South Carolina's sorry, but yeah, I would say Rattler's got way better film than Clemson, than DJ. Sorry, but it's, it's the truth. He's got better film. Um, there might be a couple others that I'm just not thinking of at the time, but I think I'll I, just given how much tougher the schedule should be, I'll hedge a bit and say nine is the floor. Um, but on the other hand, Clemson should of course be much improved over last year. Looking at, looking at the returning experience that the talent influx and, uh, that returned to health for a lot of crucial players like Brissy and people on the offensive line. Um, I think it's fair to expect marginal improvement at the very least from, from problem spots like last year, problem spots that we uh, felt last year, like receiver and quarterback. I think 11 and one is probably the ceiling. Um, I can't prognosticate who that loss is going to come to. I think you could say NC state or Notre Dame. I don't want to say South Carolina because just because they have a better quarterback doesn't mean they're going to suddenly be, you know, a seven or eight win team beating Clemson at home. But I, I think nine and three, 11 and one, someone in there is, is likely. And if you're 11 and one then you're in the ACC title game and then from there it's a, a one game playoff to, to get to the, the college football playoff. And um, I, I think given the strength Clemson has defensively and if Clemson is 11 and one AC, ACC champs at that point, I think the quarterback, you know, situation is is gone pretty smoothly i think you have to like clemson's chances to win the conference and and go to the playoff again so that's that's where the ceiling is in my view i think too clemson still does have the brand cachet where they might get the nod over even like a cincinnati you know an example like that from this last year if you had a a resurgent clemson team there i think we'd probably get some benefit of the doubt to get into that final field of four yeah cool sure all right, guys. Well, uh, thank you for coming on. Good to check in here. Uh, plenty to talk about. I'm sure um, coming up, we'll have you guys back on as we get closer to the season. Um, thanks again for helping out with that home field ad read. I know you guys are going to Quick, be- Alex, what's the promo code? <sighs> home field apparel podcast, idiot. It's podcast. <laughs> I know you guys are going to be tuned in for that launch at 12 Eastern on Saturday. So stay tuned. Podcast is the code. If you hadn't picked that up yet, if you made it like- Father's Day, y'all. Father's Day. Perfect timing. That's right. Time to load up. Um, All right. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in. Appreciate the listens. And as always, go Tigers.